Amen. The good news of the gospel is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. We're blessed that you're here. And uh, that only means that you don't own um, a uh, winter retreat and or know somebody who invited you to uh, travel with them out of town. So we're blessed that you're in Bakersfield. How many are from out of town that you're with us, joining us here at the holidays? We're great. We're blessed that you're here. Pray that uh, it snows for you. Yeah. I think it was the last year that we got snow, 1999. Yeah. Oh, well. Snowing somewhere. I'll invite uh, the Esters to come forward this morning. Again, thank you for your faithfulness and giving to the Lord. And that's for those of us that call Calvary Chapel home. If you're a guest, just let that basket pass. Or you can take one of those white communication cards, fill it out, let us know you're in service today. We're blessed that you're here with us. And uh, keep those prayer cards coming, those praise reports right on their heels. Because again, it's not only good that we have a God that hears prayers, but a God that answers prayers. Amen. And he has been answering so many, and uh, we are so, so blessed. If you have a Bible this morning, and I pray that you do, if you don't, you can raise your hand, let our ushers know, they will come along and bless you with a copy of the New King James Version. That's our gift to you, and not just because it's Christmas, we give those out year-round, and you can keep that. And uh, if by chance um, you don't like that paperback version that we give you, you're sitting next to somebody who has a leather-bound Bible, Um, This is that one and only Sunday you can actually take it from them, make it your own, and they can't do a thing about it because you just say, oh, I thought you gave that to me for Christmas. Um, But no, we would uh, love to bless you with the Bible that you can keep and make it your own. If you need one, don't hesitate to raise your hand. Um, I'm not going to make you uh, turn to a specific passage. I'm going to be sharing from a number of passages. We're breaking away from our study this morning, as I told you, in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. I'm doing a little Christmas message here this morning based on a question that comes up every single year. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But I will have you stand to your feet here this morning. And uh, we'll take a moment here and we'll pray together. And I want to encourage you to, uh, if you can, maybe grab the hand of the person you're with or next to. And if you have a cold and you go, man, I want to hold hands, you can place your hand on that person's back. I want to tell you, you know, this is obviously a, a festive Uh, time of year, one of great joy and cheer and celebration. But uh, for many families, Christmas time is really difficult. And uh, if you've lost a loved one uh, close to the holidays, it can make uh, this just a a form of drudgery for you. And uh, and yet you can lose a a loved one at any time throughout the course of the year, but especially around the holidays. And there's a, a situation going on right now where you'll understand it as we pray one of my, um, there's, there's a few pastors that really have through the years uh, spoken into my life in a real dramatic way that have influenced uh, my life. And one is one that influences many of your lives. It's Pastor John Corson of Calvary Chapel or Applegate Fellowship up in uh, uh, Ashland, Oregon. And um, Pastor John Corson, his son, Peter John, uh, if you don't know him, he's uh, got terminal cancer. And um, if you've followed it, he's been sick, you know, most of his life he's dealt with different ailments and uh, just a tremendous storage of courage and faith as he's battled through many of these illnesses. But uh, uh, he has uh, contracted cancer and uh, they've treated the best they can. He's on hospice. And basically, barring God just doing something miraculous, um, Peter John's going to go home to be with the Lord within the next couple of weeks. And so it makes Christmas uh, very difficult. If you, if you haven't listened to uh, John Corson, I would really encourage you, this is a time I would encourage you to really listen to him the same way that I would have encouraged people after Pastor Greg Laurie, his son Christopher, was killed and, and Greg was in service that very next Sunday. And talking about this is the place that I'd want to be. Of all the places on earth would be worshiping our Savior. And uh, that's not a cliche. And it wasn't something to just kind of fill the, the, the time or kind of patch a broken heart. It's to remind us that this isn't the best life uh, that we can have right now. The best life for the believer truly is to come. And, and when you know John's story, who his wife was killed in a, in a car accident where John was behind the wheel in a skiing accident. Uh, their 16-year-old daughter uh, was killed on um, the same road where his wife uh, lost her life. And, and so now in having a son and Peter John getting ready to go home and be with the Lord. I mean, you would think, and what does a person do in a situation like that? And to be able to look at their life. And, you know, we stand, myself included, you know, we stand at pulpits where everybody can see the good, the bad, and the ugly of what we go through in life. 
and to see, you know, what we hold on to. And it's a great reminder, you know, of what Jesus accomplished when he came into this world. He came to save us from our sin. He, he came to make heaven a reality, a possibility for all who would believe. And so as we, we open up the service today, I just want to invite you to pray. Let's pray first and foremost for Pastor John and for Peter John that God would do the miraculous. Uh, but, uh, you know, God's will be done. And then for ourselves as well. You're around people today who've lost loved ones this year or in the last couple of years, and the holidays were very special for them. And, and it still hurts. There still is, as scripture says, a, a sting that, that's associated with death. And so we pray for the comfort of God. Jesus came into this world to bring peace to all men. Amen. And we pray for that peace for one another today. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father God, we, we don't want to take away from the joy, Lord, of, of Christmas and, and these kind of prayer requests. Uh, Lord, I pray they take us deeper into the true joy that Lord, you came into this world, Lord, to pay a, a ransom, a price upon the, the Calvary's cross, upon that tree, that, Lord, those who would place their hope and their trust in you, who would experience what it is to be born again, uh, Lord, as you said yourself, that you're the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in you, though they were dead, yet shall they live, and he who believes in you will, will truly never die. We, we just literally pass from this life into your very presence, to be absent from the bodies, to be home with the Lord. And yet I know that, uh, Lord, this side of heaven, there's people that we've loved and we love and they're not with us any longer. And it, and, uh, it does pain us with the, the memories of Christmas and the joy that we've experienced in Christmas past. But Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be trapped in those moments, but that, Lord, we would look ahead. Lord, because of what your life has provided, life eternal with you, with those that have placed their hope and their trust in you, that one day we're going to be reunited again. And what a day. Lord, that's going to be. I know what a wonderful day it will be uh, one day for Pastor John Corson to be able to, to put his arms around his son again, Peter John, who we lift to you today and pray that you'd bring him peace and comfort. Lord, I know that he has the joy of the Lord. I know that, Lord, in those moments where he's thinking, Lord, his thoughts are of heaven. He's ready. He's prepared uh, to meet you. And yet, yet, we would say at a young age, but Lord, he lived a full life. Lord, he lived a life for you. And any life that lived is lived for you is, is one that's complete. And so, Lord, we thank you in advance. And yet, we pray for comfort, Lord, for the whole Corson family and for the family there at Applegate that, uh, Lord, will mourn the loss of Peter John. We pray that, Lord, you would be there their strength, that, Lord, they would be a light, Lord, to the world, that people would look and be amazed at how in the midst of pain they can still have pleasure. There's still joy, Lord, that's unspeakable. There's a peace that surpasses knowledge that is theirs. And, Lord, let it be real to a world who's still looking, Lord, as, as we've been discussing and learning as we go through Matthew's gospel, that, yeah, Lord, we are the light of the world in, in you that you've set us on a hill to not be hidden, but to, Lord, to make Jesus known. And, uh, Lord, may each of us this Christmas make him known in our families, Lord. God, we love you, and we thank you for the peace and the comfort. We pray for one another, those on our right, our left, in front of us, behind us, whatever they have need of today, Lord. Thank you that your hand has provided. Thank you for the realization, as Larry was praying and worship, that wherever two or three are gathered, that there you are in the midst of thee, that you're really here in this place. We're, we're not imagining it. We're not wishing or hoping it. It's a reality that, God, you're here. And may each and every heart sense your presence today. May you speak to our heart and transform our very lives into the people, Lord, that you have created us to be, Lord, that you saved us to be. And so, Lord, we look forward to unwrapping the gifts this Christmas that you have for us. But Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for the indescribable gift that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be magnified, we pray today, in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we all agreed saying, amen? Amen. You can be seated. So my question to you today is, are you ready for Christmas? I guess, you know, Jason had asked that, and he wanted me to remind you. He said, uh, tell them, you know, I had sent a, a man up earlier in the service to do a man's job when he came and did the announcements. He was supposed to tell you there's no service on Wednesday. I told him I'd tell him that for you. Um, but uh, there is no service on Wednesday night, but we do have a service tomorrow night that we encourage you to be here if you're able to make it. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, it seems like Christmas has started around July the 4th this year. I don't know about you. I went to Costco, and there was a Christmas tree out in the summer. And I was thinking, 
you know, I've slept, <laughs> I missed something. And then throughout the, you know, because of the internet, I mean, I learned so many things this year that I never knew otherwise. I mean, I knew what Black Friday was, I got that. But then it, then, then it became, the next day was Small Business Saturday. And then it went on to Cyber Monday. And then it went to Giving Tuesday, which most of you missed. Giving Tuesday was where you were supposed to give to your church or some nonprofit, or I didn't even know it existed. So if you didn't know, that's okay. But next year, mark that Tuesday, okay? No, but it was Giving Tuesday, which I was like, who invents these things? I know pastors invented Giving Tuesday. I, I get that. Then it was Green Monday, which was the second Monday in December. Then there was Stamp and Ship Day. That was for those of us that send out Christmas cards to let people know that you'd get them before Christmas. It's always nice to get them after Christmas too, and we do. Come January about 10th, you'll start getting ones in the mail. Oh, sorry, it got out late. You go, it's okay. It got there. That's the important thing. Then there was Free Shipping Day, okay? And that guarantees your your gift got there by Christmas Eve, if you studied these things. Then there was Super Saturday, which was yesterday. That's the Saturday before Christmas. But they say it really doesn't matter anymore because, you know, they used to be in the old days, the Super Saturday was because everything that didn't get sold on Black Friday, they just pushed ahead. And to get it out of inventory, they discounted it heavily. So, you know, that old expression, you know, the early bird, you know, gets the worm, but it's the late worm who misses the early bird. There's a reason to go late. I mean, some of us, you know, used to, I used to shop on Christmas Eve. It was awesome. I saw most of my friends that I never saw any other time of the year. I'd see guys. It was never women. We had the mall all to ourselves, you know, uh, on Christmas Eve. But uh, the Saturday before, you know, Christmas, Super Saturday. But then my favorite, and, and it's, uh, they said it's, I don't know if it started last year, but if it started this year, but it's on December 26th, okay? And it's called Gift Card Exchange Day. Okay, so that's for those who get gift cards and didn't really want them, or they're from stores that you wouldn't frequent anyway, so you get to cash them in. And now there's websites that'll actually buy them from you, probably at a discount, but at least, you know, you get some money for your gift card. And I always try to encourage people, don't, don't go the gift card way, but, you know, there's people that are cashing in on it. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things when you think about Christmas, there's different, you know, meanings, there's different celebrations. As I was thinking about uh, this year, I had received, uh, as I do every year, somebody will write me and ask me about the Christmas tree, you know, and this year in particular, because we have a Christmas tree in our sanctuary, and they wonder why we have that, because in their belief, that is a pagan ritual. It's representation of a pagan holiday, a fertility, you know, goddess. And uh, so I want to I talk about three trees today. And, and I want to help you understand that there's, there's really, the Bible talks a lot about trees, but before we get there, I want to ask you a question. It's not a loaded question, okay? How many have a Christmas tree in your home? By a show of hands, you have a Christmas tree, you pagans. No, you know, you go, you know, I, I, sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't resist, but you know, but it's so funny because through the years, I mean, I, I used to get offended by it and I used to feel like I needed to defend it. And man, I wish there, I mean, there's a lot of things I wish I could go back and take back and, and battles that I got into that I didn't need to get into. And, and that this is one that, uh, you know, I want to share a few things with you because the Bible does talk a lot about trees, but it doesn't talk about Christmas trees. Okay. And I want, and I want to share that with you today. Uh, you don't need to turn there, but you can mark these, or if you want, you can turn there. Uh, we hear the first mention of a tree is obviously in the Garden of Eden, right? God created this garden east of Eden, and he planted all these trees, and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 2.17, where it says, and you shall not eat of it, for in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So tree number one, there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then there's another tree. How many have heard by a show of hands a reference to Jesus dying upon a tree? If you ever had the Jehovah Witness come to your door, they go, ah, he didn't die on a cross, he died on a tree. And you go, the key isn't where he died, the key is what? He died. He died, you know, and is a cross, if it's made out of wood, was it a tree at one point? Technically speaking, okay, so there's all kinds of things, you know, that, again, this, it'll bring me back to the Christmas tree. We can major on the minors, so much. We can become, I, I talk a lot about, you know, there being a little Pharisee that exists inside of all of us. And I don't, I, I want to apologize if that offends you because I'm not trying to offend you, but there is something in us that, that loves rules, maybe not for ourselves, but we like them for everybody else. And that's kind of what a Pharisee is. Uh, but again, to, to, you know, miss really the opportunity about this tree and what God would intend it to do. 
And again, this isn't a, a pitch to say you should have a Christmas tree or not. That's whatever the conviction that the Lord places upon your heart. You're at liberty in the Lord. But I do want to share a few things with you. Because the tree that the Bible speaks of with regard to Jesus Christ, I read in the book of Acts in chapter 5, where, they're, again, they're addressing the Jewish leadership there. And, and again, it says this, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus. They were explaining J Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection. He says, this raised up Jesus, he said, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Okay, so here's Peter talking about this, and he's talking, making a reference to Jesus being crucified upon a tree. In 1 Peter 2.24, Peter writes himself, he says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So another tree, the tree that bore our Savior, Jesus Christ. It says that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by those whose stripes you were healed. Now, the Apostle Paul talks about a tree as well. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. He says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a what? Tree. It says, and the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Father through the Spirit, through faith. And yet, now there's yet still another tree, and it's called the tree of life, which was in the Garden of Eden, but because of the fall of man, God banished Adam and Eve from the garden. And I, mean, and I want you to think about this. You go, why didn't God just let them go back and eat from the tree of life? And you think about that for a second. You go, because had God allowed them after they had fallen, after they had disobeyed God, had they eaten the tree of life, they would have lived forever in a fallen state. They needed to experience that second tree. They needed to experience the redemption that comes through the cross so that they ultimately could see and experience for themselves what the book of Revelation tells us. Revelation 2, 7, Jesus speaking to John, the apostle, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He said, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Matter of fact, the Bible ends with after God's complete restoration, where there's a new heaven and a new earth. You know, this one's passing away, right? In a fervent heat, everything. And all things will be made new. There'll be a new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. And in the midst of this, this city, it says, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. And we know that, uh, again, this tree that's in the, in the midst there in Revelation 22, it says it's for the healing of the nation. It says that, that it'll bear fruit in its seasons and its leaves, the very leaves of that tree are for the healing of the nations. God bringing that tree of life all the way, you know, from the fall all the way to this place of, of restoration. And so three trees, three very distinct trees. And again, we think about, you know, the Christmas tree and then how and what can it point to as we study through it? I mean, they're, they're popular, they're, they're symbols of Christmas and they come in all shapes and sizes. And you think about, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, some have real trees, some have fake trees. I mean, Matt, it's been, it's been said that uh, you can learn a lot about a person by the type of tree that they have in their home. I love those little studies, you know, that people sit around and actually study people as to what kind of tree they might have in their home. And so I wanted to share this with you because, you know, again, everybody has a tree. Some, you know, are, are real, some are artificial, some are green, some are flocks, some are different colors, you know, there's all different kinds of things. But like I said, science has, they've studied the personalities of those who put up trees in their homes and this is what they've concluded. So I wanted to share this with you. See if you find yourself here. If you only have white lights, and I don't want, you don't have to, that's me. You don't need to answer this, okay? But if you only have white lights on your tree, you're most likely a germaphobic, okay? And uh, you're the type of person who you make people remove their shoes when they come into your house, okay? That's if you have only white lights on your tree. I don't know why they came to that conclusion. Don't shoot me. Don't write me notes saying that's wrong. I'm just repeating something I read on the internet so you know it's true, okay? So it says if your tree has multicolored lights on it, you're an extrovert, okay? Multicolored lights, you're an extrovert. Uh, if your tree has blinking lights on it, you suffer from attention deficit disorder, okay? <laughs> if, you, if your home has 
homemade ornaments on it, not store-bought, you know, but homemade ornaments on it. You either have lots of children or grandchildren, okay? If your tree is strung with popcorn, you have way too much time on your hands, okay? <laughs> this one, I, I don't know why I like this one, though. If your tree only has red balls on it, you have spent way too much time in department stores. I don't know. It just, it just seems to, it's good. If your tree has a yellow star on top of it, you're a traditionalist, okay? If your tree has the top cut off, it's just you failed to measure <laughs> your tree, okay? If your tree, I like these too. If your tree puts off a potent evergreen smell, you know, in your house, not, not overly potent, but just, you know, when you walk in, you can smell it. That means you have a healthy tree in your home. But if your tree puts off this overwhelming sense of pine smell, then you've sprayed it with pine saw, you know, and some people have actually done that. If your tree just stinks, that means you've got a dead bird in it and you better find it and get it out before Christmas. But uh, it was kind of cute and you think about those things. Most of us have, you know, traditions that, that surround the Christmas tree. Most of the people, it goes up a month before. Is anybody, and this could be by a show of hands, you keep your tree up longer than the Christmas season. I mean, from Thanksgiving to New Year's. That's, that's the acceptable. How many go beyond that? Is there any year-rounders in here? You know? Yeah. You know, I found that's probably easier. You just change the lights for the different seasons, but uh, no. But here, here's some, these are just fun facts, you know, with regard to Christmas trees. You know, that somewhere between 25 and 30 million Christmas trees gave their life for Christmas, you know, uh, I like to stress it that way. But, and again, you can search this on the internet. You can fact check it. I did it myself. You know, are you aware though that there's 350 million trees on, on Christmas tree farms and they're grown in all 50 states? So we're not lacking Christmas trees, okay? This is big business in the United States of America. But you might be thinking today, you know, so what does all this have to do with a savior being born? And the reason, like I said, is because I am contacted by people with regard to what are our thoughts about a Christmas tree? And we haven't normally, we, we've done it a couple times, but had a Christmas tree in the sanctuary. So it kind of goes under the radar, but somebody will still ask because somebody approaches them about it. You know, what does it have to do with, with a baby being born in a manger, you know, 2,000 years ago? You know, some believe that it's sinful. You know, like I said, that it's wrong for Christians to, to put up a Christmas tree because they believe that the Christmas tree is a symbol of, of a pagan fertility, you know, ritual. And like I said, I, I, and I want you to know this in all sincerity, I, I have watched, I've come in, you know, Wednesday and I come in Sunday and no one has been bowed down in front of that tree, you know, worshiping. I, I haven't, in our church, I can't say what goes on in other churches, but I know here nobody's doing that, okay? So that's, that's important to note because if I knew that people were bowing down at that tree, I mean, I would call you to repent. I would tell you that you are wrong, that that is something that we do not do. Like I said, I don't know what goes on in the other parts of the world, but, you know, again, we're not to make any graven image of God. We're not to worship anything other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But again, these are things that, like I said, come up. Um, Here's a little American, you know, history trivia, you know, for you here, because it was in the 17th century in the United States, Christmas was actually forbidden by the Puritans in the Massachusetts area. So if you're a Bostonian here, um, there was a, a time when it was illegal to have a Christmas tree, you know, in your home. It was frowned upon by the Puritans because they, they thought, you know, Christmas time was a time of deep introspection where we looked at ourselves and, and looked down upon ourselves. This wasn't a time of joy and glee and lightheartedness. And again, if you had a tree uh, during that time, you could have been fined or you definitely were frowned upon by society in and of itself. But before we go and get all Santa claustrophobic about Christmas trees, you know, um, we need to really look ahead as to, you know, what, what should this tree do in our life? What, what should the Christmas tree accomplish in the life of the believer? And like I said, I, I broke away from our study in Matthew because I, I wanted to, to talk to you about, you know, Christmas and how the Lord might use the Christmas tree and he might use the Christmas season in all of our lives. I know for me, it, this has been probably one of the, the best Christmas seasons ever in my life as a believer. And I can tell you, and I, and I haven't bought one gift. 
And it's not because I save money, you know, on buying gifts. My wife normally is the one who buys the gifts, you know, in our family. And then she tells me what I bought. So that way I can go when they go, oh, Opa, you got, oh, yeah, you got that. Okay, good. You know, but, but there's a different reason because it's that understanding of these three trees, you know, that there's a, there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's, there's a tree that represents our past, the sinful past. There's a tree that Jesus Christ bore my sin and your sin upon. We call it the cross. That's God's Christmas tree to me and you, that, that we can find forgiveness. And, and then the ultimate tree, the tree of life, that when we pass from this life into the next, that we will be at another tree. We will be pulling the leaves off of that tree. We'll be enjoying the fruit off this tree of life for all eternity as it produces different fruits in different seasons. It's going to be an amazing time. So it's something that, you know, trees are important. They, 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 they have symbolism. They have meaning. And again, not something that, you know, we just, and again, we need to learn how in life to major on the major things and, and not on the lesser things. Amen. And so, but I know it's important to people because people write, they write me and they'll ask me that question. You know, what do I believe? What is the church's position on a Christmas tree? And again, you know, where did the Christmas tree find its origin? I guess that's the most important thing. Um, you know, the second thing is, you know, what does the tree communicate? And then lastly, you know, how should you and I who believe, how should we celebrate Christmas anyway? Again, because there's some that don't even celebrate Christmas. And you go, what is the testimony of that again to an unbelieving world? Now, the Christmas tree did not find its origin in the Bible. That's the first thing that I have to help people understand because they believe, some wrongly so, with the right intention in Jeremiah chapter 10. You might write this down. You don't need to turn there, but I'll read this for you. In Jeremiah chapter 10, one, verses 1 through 5, Jeremiah is speaking about this pagan ritual, okay, of, of taking a tree from the forest and doing something with it. And I want to read this to you and explain a little bit about it. It says in Jeremiah 10, 1, it says, Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the Gentiles. So he's talking about paganism and pagan be things. The Gentiles were non-Jewish people. God had given the Jews very specific things that they were to do and then things that they weren't to do. Okay, and he says, do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the peoples are futile. So he's talking about paganism and idol worship. Okay, they, they fashioned, they didn't have a relationship with God. Remember, the God of, of Moses, the God of, of the Exodus, who was there in the wilderness, he was amazing to the unbelieving world because they knew that there was something different about the God of Israel because he was a God who tabernacled with them. Remember, he was a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God traveled with his people. That was the, the beautiful thing that Larry was sharing that we can just miss when we're in worship is to believe and not understand that where two or three are gathered, God is there in the midst of thee. Or when we receive communion, that we're reminded that when you take that bread, you drink that cup, you, you're doing what? He says, not only doing a remembrance of Jesus, but you're, you're coming to the understanding that he is with you and that he's in you. I mean, that, that is, you know, what we think of Christmas and we sing this, right? We call Jesus, he's what? Our Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us, yeah. I mean, he can't get any closer than to be in you, right? The gift of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who's in us and with us every step along the way. So it says, it goes on, it says, for the customs of the people are futile, for one cuts a tree from the forest. They go, aha, there's the Christmas tree. It says, the work of the hands of the workman with the ax. Well, here's where it changes. They're taking the tree and they're cutting all the branches off of it. And they're fashioning it into a carved image, something that they can worship. They're creating a likeness there. It's not the tree itself. It says they decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. They go, oh, there it is. It's the wooden, the wooden, you know, stand. You know, I mean, how many of you ever recall some fond memories of your dad standing there and your mom looking at the tree and dad going, eh, and you hear that nail, eh, and you twit and, the, and what does a tree do? It goes, and then dad's doing this number. Well, if you go like this, it looks straight, you know. Or you get a string and put a nail in the wall, right? Anybody do that? And, just, and then tie it off, right? And you go, hey, it works every time, you know. Get the level out. You go, it'll serve. But it's not, this is not what it's talking about. It says they're upright like a palm tree. This is where men get jealous. See, I just wish my Christmas tree could be like that. 
It says, and they cannot speak, because what are they doing? They're worshiping it. They're talking to it. Now, not to be confused with you plant lovers of the 80s who read articles that said, how many, you know, read this, you're supposed to talk to your plants. Remember that in the 70s and 80s? Have you talked to your plants? Hi, I'm down there. And you see all these weird people here in their windows, you know, they're pouring water. Hello, good morning, Mr. Plant. You know, <laughs> you're going, and you're like, poof, you know. But people believe that. They thought, oh, they were told you if you breathe on your plant, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help it grow. Well, it's the same thing here. They go, they cannot speak. They must be carried. Remember Dagon? You know, the Ark of the Covenant sitting next to them. They come in every morning. Where's Dagon? Boom, he's laying down. You go, these false gods. This is what it's talking about here. It says, they must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor can they do any good. They're just a carved up wooden object used to be a tree and yet some people will read these verses and they'll go see that this is that's why the christmas tree can't be used this is in a pagan setting this is in babylon and you go you're 100 percent right but it's not talking about a christmas tree it's talking about something that was carved as a graven image and like i said if, if you come in in your house or you here and you bow down and you start talking to that tree and and you start worshiping you go that would be sinful that would be wrong but I can tell you, in my 58 years of life, I have never seen my wife, my kids, my grandkids. I mean, I've seen them crying out, you know, to God, you know, going, why? <laughs> you know, I mean, wanting, you know, a different present or something, but never worshiping the tree. They knew that the tree didn't produce the presents. You know, they're scouring the house, wanting to know, you know, where they knew where it came from. But it's an amazing thing that you think about this. I mean, Jeremiah penned these words in about 620 BC. And again, just the trivia of it here, Christmas isn't celebrated for another 600 years in the tradition with a tree and gifts as we know it now. So it's impossible for that to be a connection between what Jeremiah is saying. And like I said, and what Jeremiah is talking about is, is idol worship here. So again, you, you, you think about, you know, what is, you know, again, the first celebration, you know, of Christmas and, you know, what did it look like? And, and again, if you want to understand that, you go, you have to go to the Middle Ages. And how many Germans do we have here, by the way? This is something that Germans, you know, we can take credit for. We have a few of you that are here today. Uh, Germany's actually credited with starting the Christmas tradition as we know it, with the trees and gifts. It was in the 16th century, okay? Uh, devout Christians would bring decorated trees. It kind of matched Hanukkah, where the, or our Jewish friends would bring in, you know, the festival of lights. So Christians would go, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to do something alongside of that as well. And so some would build these little kind of pyramid-looking things that kind of look like a tree. They'd decorate them, put lights on it. You know, if wood was scarce, uh, you know. Um, and again, one of the things that's a beautiful story about Martin Luther, the great reformer, was in the 16th century, uh, that he actually added candles to a uh, pine tree that uh, he had cut down uh, outside of his home. And, and again, not that I would recommend that. That was before fire departments and laws of that nature. But uh, uh, it said that he was walking home one winter evening and he was composing a sermon and he was looking up through the evergreen trees and looking at the stars and how they were twinkling in the tree. And he was so moved by God's creation that, again, thinking, you know, in such a deep way about, again, letting creation speak of God. You know, all of creation speaks of God. Amen. And, and here he is looking at these, these stars through these evergreen trees. And he's reminded that Jesus came into this world and that what? That the light penetrated the darkness, that no matter how dark that it was, that the light broke through. And it moved him so much that he wanted his family to experience that he cut down a tree and brought it into his house and he placed candles on it and he's getting his kids and his wife and friends, everybody, and he's doing this sermon and he's telling them about this. And it then caught on, you know, with other people. And again, other people would, would practice it. And again, things got passed on, traditions. So you fast forward there 300 years, and you, uh, it was uh, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert of England. And they took this, this you know, tradition, and they took it in the most grand way and moved it forward. They were convincing the, the people of England to bring in Christmas trees into their homes and to decorate them with, with the, the finest objects. It's where 
uh, hand-blown glass, or what we would see as glass bulbs, start were introduced into the Christmas tree. That this would be, you know, ornate, you know, ornaments. That there was just this beauty. There was a splendor about the holiday there. And again, those things continued to be passed on until it's reached us. I mean, from generation to generation. You know, most of us grew up in homes where there was a Christmas tree, and like I said, no one worshipped the tree. No one bowed down to it. And, you know, again, <laughs> you think about how times have changed. Does anybody remember uh, having uh, an aluminum tree, like back in the 60s or something? Yeah. I mean, the first one, that wasn't it like silver, the very first one, you know? Man, wouldn't you like somebody? Oh, you still have it. Okay. Well, I don't want to go there with it. But uh, that's good. It's really good if you still have that. But, uh, you know, you go, you, all the things, then artificial trees. My, my wife, we, we have an artificial tree. You know, and I know saying that it divides the room in half. There are some of you that go, yes, thank you, Pastor Mike. And there's some of you go, God, pray for his soul. I mean, they, they did, you don't have a real tree? You know, that, oh, the spirit of Christmas. Well, I just want you to know there's something strange about this. Okay, my wife went after Christmas one year to Michael's, and she was in there, and there was a tree, and it was this beautiful artificial tree. She, we'd never had a fake tree. We actually ran a Christmas tree lot. And uh, they gave us uh, whatever tree we wanted. And we, we picked a grand fir, if you know anything about Christmas trees, like the, the pinnacle of Christmas trees. And my wife wanted me to flock the ends of it. And so I had to practice on all kinds of trees and get it wrong so I could get it right. So just the tip so it just looked like we brought this tree in from out in the snow. It was like a $170 tree. They gave it to us, you know, for free. And I'm thinking she's going to want, you know, real trees, you know. No, she goes to Michael. She buys this tree. It was $29. On the box, it said like $209. So she asked the manager, she's like, is this marked right? And he goes, well, yeah. And she goes, why is it so cheap? And he goes, lady, it's January. It was like, okay, well, she brought it home and next year we got it out. And you know what it does? We call it the miracle tree. See, one of the reasons we went to an artificial tree was so that we wouldn't have to clean up all the needles and stuff all the time. This one puts off needles. Every year, and I'm, I'm vacuuming. I go, honey, I go, this is like, does this thing produce new ones? Because we're going to have to get a new tree. And she's like, why? And I go, because like for the last like five years, I mean, I'm like picking up needles just like I would off of any other tree. And she's, yeah, they, they come off. So it reminded me, it was such a wonderful thing. And if you did this, you know, God bless you and may he just abundantly bless your Christmas. So I, I picked my wife up one day from work and we were coming down Allen Road and got on the uh, West Side Parkway. We were going east from Allen. Turned left onto the parkway and there was a weed that somebody had put three bulbs on. The big bulbs. Did anybody see that? And I, I thought, you know, I, I said it to myself and I said, I go, praise God. I go, God bless that person who did that because Lee and I both laughed out loud. And I go, there is this, that's what it's supposed to do. Here was a, the biggest Charlie Brown tree. It was the goofiest looking thing, but somebody hung three bulbs on it. And it was just one of these things you go, and it brought what? Joy. That's what it should do. That's what these, these traditions, these festivities should do is bring joy into our life. You know, God loves when we take pleasure in life and we laugh. Jesus said he came to give life and give life what? To the fullest. You know, again, not to rob though. You can't do that, you know, become, like I said, you know, religious or pharisaical, you know, in how we approach, you know, things in life. But uh, I, again, I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, again, whatever it is, the tree that you have in, in your, your house, that, you know, you would allow that tree to point you to the best tree, to that tree that, that Jesus Christ hung upon, gave his life for me and you. So what should the Christmas tree communicate? You know, now, and again, you don't have to be a child for this, but, you know, when you walk into a home and you look at the trees, most people look at the trees and I'd say most women, and they look at the ornaments and the lighting to see how it's decorated and stuff. But what do most men look at? The gifts. They're just like kids. You know, we go, we go right to the base. You know, what's in there? Who's that for? You know, and, and really, if you want to capture the spirit of Christmas, write this down, because the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of the Christmas tree is the spirit of giving. Giving. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Easter is about. That's what every time that we come into this sanctuary is about. It's about Jesus. 
It's about Jesus fulfilling the very purpose for which he came into this world. So you and I, we focus on our lives. And what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to be when I grow up? You know, I'm still asking that at 58. You go, and then you go, what did Jesus, what did he do? Well, he came for one purpose, and that purpose was to die. He gave his life upon a cross. He took our place so that we could find life in him. Christmas is about giving. Christmas is about receiving. It's about receiving God's greatest gift. Now, it was interesting, you know, and I think about this, you know, with regard to Martin Luther, when he brought this, this tree into his home, what did he want to communicate with it? Was that not that the, just that the tree was beautiful because it had lights on it, but that it communicated the message of the cross, that God had sent his son into this world to, to pierce the darkness and to bring light to men, that his life, as John would write, would be the light of all men. There's life and there's light in Jesus Christ. Paul, the apostle, speaks of Jesus' life like this in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. He says, thanks be to God for his what? Indescribable gift. Think about that. The indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. I love Christmas time. I love having grandkids. I mean, one, my, one of my love languages is, is, is I love giving. I love giving gifts. I love, I love the expression on my wife's face, my kid's face, my grandkid's face when they open up gifts. My wife, now, this, some, and I don't know what's going on this year, but some of you know as well because you've done the same thing. It's now the object is you wrap the gift, and then you wrap the gift inside of another thing, and then you, now, then you put a trash bag around. I go, what are you doing? And she's, oh, it's just part of the, the, the fun, you know, with the kids. They got to open up one thing. And I go, if I, if I was a kid, that'd just make me mad, you know. It's like, you don't even need to wrap the thing, you know. It's like, that's just in the way, you know. It's like, that's like when you get cards. And I'm just, you know, by confession, and maybe you can confess this too, you know, confession's good when we come to church. You know, growing up as a kid, you know, I'd get cards, you know, for my grandma. I'd rip that card open, and I'd open the card looking for what? Now, what, and my mom would go, honey, read the card. No, you read the card. I'm letting the cash. You know, it's like, you know, I, I get that. You know, and so paper's like kind of the, the same way. But I know Christmas is big business. You know, I mean, 70%, they say, of, you know, retail, you know, makes their money at Christmas time. Now I understand why they've moved it all the way back to July. They have really extended the shopping season, you know, and gifts can really be expensive. You know, people, they, they'll say this, you know, again, trying to take it back to, you know, well, Christmas and giving gifts. Why should we give gifts? And they'll go, well, because remember when Jesus, you know, was born, go, well, he, this wasn't when he was born. Remember he was an infant. He was about two years old when the Magi, you know, the wise men visited him and they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they go, well, that's where gift giving began. And you go, that's a great thought, but it's not associated with a Christmas tree and the spirit of giving. If we want to really take that and, and take it to its true origin, we'd have to actually thank and give the credit to really actually old Saint Nick because it's really where it began. And I'm not talking about Santa Claus. I'm talking about Saint Nicholas, okay? He was a Bible teacher, a pastor. Maybe you've read this before. You can research it, fact find it. He was the Bishop of Myra of Antatolia. It's in modern day Turkey, okay? So he was a pastor. He was a teacher. And uh, again, he had a a passion for people. He was known as somebody who was very compassionate, very caring. Um, he would give. Now, this is important because I know a lot, and there's a lot of people in our church who give, but they don't give in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, anytime this Saint Nicholas would give to children who were in need, he would tell them, I am doing this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if not, you go, people don't make the connection. All kinds of people give, but it's the giving in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that, and I'll, and I'll come back to that in a second, because I, I want you to understand that. It's where we cross over, where we make that connection that it isn't just presence under a tree, it's connecting people to what? That second tree, the tree where Jesus gave his life for you and me, because that's what Christmas is truly all about. That's what it really is all about, because I can tell you, I've had many Christmas in my life where the day after Christmas, I felt pretty empty. The gifts didn't hit the spot, the giving didn't hit the spot, and the bills were still coming in January. You know what? But there's a gift, you know, and it's not a cliche, there's a gift that Jesus gives that keeps on giving, amen? And, and that's the spirit of, of, of Christmas, the spirit of giving 
not expecting anything in return. Now, again, one of the interesting things about St. Nicholas, though, that I found really interesting was that he not only ministered to children, but he would also, he had a, a, had a, a history of, he would find, especially uh, women in particular, who couldn't afford to have their wedding. They had either lost their fathers, didn't have the ability, couldn't pay the dowry. And so he would pay the dowry so that they could enjoy, this couple would enjoy a, a pleasant wedding experience. That was something that he was known for. Well, he died, uh, as tradition holds it, on about December the 6th. And the people of his community had been touched by his life because, see, giving can be contagious. Everything in life can be contagious, right? You know, you know, and, but to have that spirit of giving. And so in the community in which he lived, they carried on that tradition and they began to give around the holidays, around this tree, in that spirit, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't that just, hey, let's just give gifts to people, but it was in the name of the Lord, always going back and being reminded that Jesus pierced the darkness and brought light into the world, that he brought a gift that no gift this side of heaven can touch. Nothing can compare to the gift of eternal life, amen? And that's, that's that second tree. That's why it's so, so important. Now, you, you know, as it continued on, you, you know, as traditions, do you remember the games you'd play where, you know, someone would tell a story and you'd whisper it in somebody's ear and by the time it got to the end of the class, it's changed completely? Well, even in this story, you know, the, the Dutch called him actually Sint Niklaas, which later became Sinter Claus, which is ultimately where we got the name Santa Claus. And as it, it's interesting, if you trace the history of this, you know, uh, again, now where did the, uh, the, you know, the red come in? Well, being a bishop, you know, that it was, they saw that as a, his bishop's robe. And then as a white hat was the mitre. This, remember the large caps that they wore? And so these things, you know, again, then it evolved into being a, a red, you know, suit and, a, you know, a, a cap that went with it. And these are all things that when you look at the history of it, you go, okay, at least I know, hey, this isn't fake. People, you know, we have this thing in our heart around Christmas. I go, man, I so wish that the story of like Santa Claus was, was true. And you go, it really is in the truest sense. Not, not with a sleigh and sleigh bells and all that kind of stuff. You go, but a real person, a real caring and compassionate person who found his compassion where? In the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, who, who himself had invited Jesus to come into their life and says, God, you know what? I'm a pretty selfish person. I'm, I'm more like Ebenezer Scrooge. I like things for myself. You know, it's like, you know, I, I talk to most men, you, hey, what did you get for Christmas? Well, I went out and bought myself this. You know, well, they didn't get that for you. Well, no, I just get it myself. You know, that way I know I get it. I'm never disappointed, you know, at Christmas time. And you go, well, women don't normally think like that, you know. They say that, you know, women, when it comes to gift giving, are way better than men. They think about it, you know. And, and they give hints to what they want their husbands to buy, you know. So we need to listen. You know, and they don't just tell you in December. They tell you like in June, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, you go, oh, gosh, I got to get this, you know. And, and they'll remember, they go, I told you in June, that's what I wanted, you know, for Christmas. You weren't listening, you know. And I, you know, I had an epiphany last service. It was serious. I, I, I was sharing this very thing. I went, no wonder there's so much marriage counseling in January. I, I was like, you know, after all these years, I finally figured it out. They go, he wasn't listening. <laughs> so listen, whatever she said, you know, get it. You know, but uh, I love this, you know, when you think about tracing back, you know, Santa Claus. Why is that important? You might be thinking today, you know, what, what does that have to do with anything? Because, you know, and I put my notes here, you know, as, as well-intending believers, we can focus on the events of, of Jesus' birth, and we should, but we can become exclusive in that. We can focus on the incarnation and forget about the benefits of the incarnation. Again, it's not just about going back to what Jesus did on the cross. You know, Jesus is doing something today. You know, he wants to do something today in each of our lives. He wants to set us free today. He wants us to experience the fullness of his life this Christmas. This could be the best Christmas of your life. And it begins by receiving him. It's realizing that tree points to yet another tree, the tree where Jesus Christ gave himself for me and you. Now, one of the things that was interesting, the third thing, and I'll close with this, is what's the implication of Christmas? What, what should Christmas mean to you and I as believers? You know, as I realized, you know, that, yeah, there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil there in the garden that Adam and Eve ate from, and they were banished from that garden. And then there was a tree 
that Jesus Christ hung upon that makes salvation possible, that leads to the ultimate tree that one day, like I said, that we can eat from in the book of Revelation, the tree of life. And all the, those trees and that knowledge of, of thinking, you know, the implications that you go, is that I don't get so caught up in the tree. I don't get so caught up in what's under, you know, the tree, but I get caught up in the spirit of giving. I get caught up in worship of God. Like Martin Luther, that when I walk and I'm walking through the evergreens and I'm just going through life and I'm looking up and I see the stars that I'm reminded, you know, at Christmas time of the most undescribable gift, like Paul said, that came into this world in the form of a baby that took on human life so that you and I could relate to him. That he could go to a cross and he could die in my place. And that that would do something to me and you. That it would cause us to become compassionate people, caring people. That we wouldn't just be looking out for our own needs, and we need to. The Bible says there's nothing wrong with that. But not exclusively. But that we would also care about other people too. People that are less fortunate. People that can't care for themselves. You know, I, I, I know, like I said, the, the thing that for me personally... Doing this, uh, you know, ministry outside the walls of our church, you know, reaching out to this uh, Smoke Tree Mobile Home Estates and, and finding a bunch of uh, predominantly elderly people who are on fixed income and in need of help, not just, you know, in food and stuff, but I mean, just looking at their homes, they're, they're, they're messed up and, and they don't know where to turn, you know, for help. And to know that, you know, ministry is, is called to, you know, some of the greatest ministry is to widows and orphans, people that are in distress. And going over there, you know, spending a, this last week just driving over every day, just driving through and praying and just looking for opportunity to, to meet people and stop in and, and just talking with people. I pulled into a little hamburger stand around the corner and I pulled in there because I saw a guy sitting on the corner and I felt like the Lord... You know, he didn't say anything audible, just pressed upon my heart. So I pull in there, and the guy's, he's drinking a beer. He's sitting out on the, on the curb there. And so I'm just trying to be obedient to what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do. So I go and I sit down on the, this table about maybe 25 or 30 yards from him. And I just sit there, and he looks over at me, and he gets up, and he comes, and he walks past me, and he kind of circles around, and he sits a table over from me. And he's just sitting there, and he won't look at me. And he's kind of muttering to himself. And I can tell, you know, there, there's some, you know, there's, there's some issues there. He's got some, you know, some, some struggles. And, and uh, so I said to him, I said, man, isn't it a beautiful day? And he looks at me and he goes, hey, hey. He said, I, I'm not, I don't want to disrespect you. I don't want to disrespect you. And I said, oh, you're not. I said, uh, my name's Mike. I said, hey, what's yours? And he goes, he looks at me and he goes, Danny. Dan, Danny, 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 Danny's my name. Danny, no, nobody calls me Danny. And I said, well, Danny, I said, uh, nice to meet you. I said, uh, so what are you doing? He said, I'm just, um, I'm just, um, I'm hungry. And I said, oh, I said, you're hungry. I said, well, you know, what would you, what do you want to eat? And he said, I, 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 don't, I don't have any money. I, I, I'm, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to disrespect you. you know? I said, Danny, you're not going to disrespect me. I said, you know, I said, let me ask you something. I said, uh, do you believe in God? And he goes, oh, you know, and, and I said, well, I just want you to understand something, Danny. I go, I believe in God. And I said, and God, I go, get this. I go, I want you to know God loves you. I go, maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've never heard it. I go, but, but to show you that God loves you, he, he wants you to know that he loves you. He wants me to buy you something to eat. And I go, if you could get what you want to eat, what would you get? And he goes, I'd get a chocolate milkshake. And I said, that's a good choice. I said, you know what? I'm going to get you a chocolate milkshake. I said, but I'm not really getting you the chocolate. He goes, he looks at me and he goes, and he's so funny. He goes, you're very nice. Like that. And I go, no, Danny, I'm not very nice at all. I go, ask people that know me. I go, I go, I am being obedient. I said, I'm doing, I'm doing what God's told me to do. I said, I want you to know God loves you. And he wants you to, to enjoy a chocolate milkshake today. I go, think about that, you know, throughout your day today. I go, that God loves you so much that he, got, he made sure you got a chocolate milkshake today. And you, you enjoy that, okay? So I walk over and so I order him a chocolate milkshake. And so I say, eh. I go, hey, are you guys, you know, have a cheeseburger or something? And she goes, yeah, you got that. I go, well, you know, fit, get him a cheeseburger too. And I said, and when you, when you get done, I go, call him Danny. 
I go, because obviously people don't, don't call him Danny. I said, so call him and say, Danny, your order's ready. And I go, and say it with the most joy you can muster up, you know. And uh, she's like, okay. So I walk back over and I sit down and I said, Danny, I said, I just want you to know, I ordered you a chocolate milkshake and I go, and, and a hamburger. And he looks at me like, like he had won the jackpot, the lottery. And he's like, uh, uh, okay, well, why? And I said, Danny, I, I told you, I said, God loves you. He wants you to have a milkshake and a hamburger today, okay? And I said, you know, we're going to be doing a little dinner over here this weekend. I said, if you remember it, and I had a flyer and I gave it to him. And I said, you don't even have to live there. I said, if you, you know, you want to come by. And he's looking at me and you can tell he's just not, he's not processing it. He's, and he tells me again, he says, you know, nobody calls me Danny. And he just kept saying that. And he, so then I sat there and he was just going, no, no, nobody calls me Danny. Nobody calls me Danny. Nobody calls me Danny. And it just broke my heart. And it wasn't, I don't share that with you to go, hey, you know what, that's a, Mike, you deserve a pat on the back. I, I say that to my shame. Is that, you know how many Dannys I go past every single day in my life? You know how many people that I've just driven past where I haven't, like Martin Luther, walked through and looked at the evergreens and saw those stars just sparkling and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me and to remind me, you know, that there is a, there is a tree. There's a tree that Jesus Christ died upon, God's Christmas tree, that I could be just like Danny. For the grace of God go I. You go, but somebody reached out to me. Somebody loved me enough to tell me about the truth of God's word. Somebody loved me enough to stop and go, hey, you know what? Um, God loves you. And I want you, to, I want you to know his love. Because, you know, love is a word that gets thrown around, especially in church, you know. And so it's used and abused. And the world, you know, they're not listening to it. Jesus said, you know, they'll know you by your love, by your actions. Actions speak louder than words. And that's what the, the birth of our Savior is all about. Jesus was born into this world. He came in at Christmas time to die. He was born as the Savior of the world. And maybe you're here today, you know, and you're going, man, you know, I just feel like, you know, I'm on the outside looking in. Maybe you feel like uh, the little boy who, you know, wrote Santa Claus a letter. And he said, dear Santa, you know, last year I wrote, you know, you a letter and I didn't get what I asked for. Matter of fact, the year before that, I wrote you a letter and I didn't get what I asked for. This year, I'm giving you one more chance, you know. And, and you feel like that, you know, with God. You go, God, you know, it's like if you would give me one more chance. And, and I want you to know that, you know, we serve the God of the second chance. Christmas is a great time. I mean, I watch people get reconciled at Christmas time that never even talked during the course of the year. But there's something powerful about that tree that people, ah, you know, it's Christmas time. You know, it's time when, you know, yeah, we should, you know, oh, I should get over it and we should be, free. and you'll see, families will be reconciled, friends will be reconciled, and you know, people come back. There's power. Not that tree, but the one that that one points to, that there's forgiveness. And if you need it today, you need it this Christmas, it's there for the receipt. But it's like any other gift. Somebody can give you a gift, but if you don't unwrap it, guess what? It's worthless. He's here today. And he's moving amongst us. You Maybe you've come to church your whole life, but you've never received the gift. You've never opened. You've just tried to, you know, be a better person, try to do the right thing. I just want to encourage you. Make the most of Christmas. Understand the implication of it, that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And if you'll open up your heart to him, I mean, open up your heart to him and let him in. He will come into your life and he will change you from the inside out. He's not asking you to do anything for him. He did it all for you. He's just asking us to trust him, to believe in him, and to walk with him, to enjoy him. And we do. And the world will be a different place. And as we're studying in Matthew, then we'll go out. That, that, that light, his life is the light of all men. That light will begin to light us from the inside out. It will bring, as God declared, joy to the world because of what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I, I'm so reminded, Lord, that you would tell us, Lord, through your word, 
So now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you so much for loving us that you would come to this earth to make peace, that we could experience your peace the peace of God, and that, Lord, we could enjoy peace with, with all people because of you. Lord, the possibilities of, of Christmas are before us, but it starts with each and every one of us opening our heart to you, receiving the forgiveness, Lord, that your Christmas tree provided for us. And, Lord, may, Lord, we, as we look upon our trees this year, May we be reminded of that precious gift. And Lord, if there's any here today that have yet to receive you as Savior and Lord, that God, this would be the Christmas where they open the gift, where they open their heart to you. And Lord, you come in. You wash them and cleanse them, Lord. You make them new. God, may it change, Lord, our Christmas. And for those of us that know you, Lord, may the spirit of Christmas truly capture our hearts afresh this year. May we become, Lord, givers of life. May the things that we do, Lord, to bring joy to other people's life. May we say, as we do those things, I do this in the name of my Lord and Savior. May my life, may our lives be a reflection of you, Lord Jesus. And all that we think, all that we say, all that we do. Lord, when that happens, God, then Christmas becomes a wonderful celebration. And Lord, we thank you. We praise you today. We bless you, appreciating you afresh for, Lord, what you've accomplished for us. Thank you that, Lord, what awaits for us is that tree of life, Lord. God, we pray that you'd be glorified this Christmas in our lives, in our homes, Lord. Every place that we go, thank you, Lord. Thank you that your name, Lord, is Jesus. Thank you that you are salvation. Thank you, Lord that you are the living proof that God saves, that you came to save us from our sins. What a gift, Lord. Help us to not forget that this Christmas, we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we all agreed saying amen. Amen.